It's a brace for the 18-year-old and three points in the back for Chicago. Federico Navarro weaving his way through, and it's in. It falls for Shaqiri. The Swiss international back onto the score sheet, and he doubles the fire lead. All right, football fans, welcome into yet another edition of the Intercontinental Football Show. I am your host, Tyler Terrence, and could not be more excited to bring you this episode as I am actually doing it solo. Uh, Emmett, of course, is going to edit post, but here I am all by my lonesome, and we are going to break down what was just a ridiculous night on the lakefront as the Chicago Fire draw Atlanta United by a score of three to three. Both teams finished with 10 men, own goals that looked like Olympicos, yellow cards, red cards, some dodgy officiating, we'll call it that, and the shares of the points are one apiece. So, with that in mind, let's get right into it. We're going to have two episodes this week. Of course, we're going to break down the Atlanta game right now, and then we'll talk about the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup match with Austin FC after the game is played on Wednesday. So lucky you, you get to hear us not once, but twice throughout the course of this week. Lucky, depending on how you view it. But nevertheless, let's get into it. So coming into this game, obviously uh, a, diff- a difficult one after the previous weekend, and Again, a game that I said before, I didn't think that the Fire deserved to win it last weekend against Charlotte. Up one nothing, up until about the 70th minute, and you end up losing by a score of 2-1 to one on the road. And we talked about how after those types of games, the best thing that you can do is come back and play three days later, and that's exactly the type of opportunity that the Fire had against an Atlanta side that, yes, has a lot of talent, yes, has spent a lot of money on this roster, but at the same time, I think that... If you're an Atlanta United fan, you perhaps are thinking that you're underachieving at the moment, just given how high your standards are coming off of 2017, 2018, and of course, an Open Cup in 2019 as well. So with all that in mind, the Fire had a good opportunity at home. Of course, both teams are playing or were playing uh, their third game in a week. And Atlanta now sitting in fourth place, the fire obviously towards the bottom of the Eastern Conference and another really good opportunity, but another chance at home to try to pick up maximum points. Now, before we even get into that, I know what everybody's already thinking in that, like the draw, the point, the whole thing, but the fire, the fact still remains, fire unbeaten at home. Yes, there are six draws, count them six draws that are in the mix there. But you haven't dropped a point at home yet. And there's not a ton of teams who can say that right now. There's Cincinnati, who's 8-0-0 on the season. 8-0-0, literally perfect. They've picked up 24 points at TQL Stadium. Incredibly difficult place to play. Fantastic atmosphere. On top of the fact that they're a really good team, coached by Pat Noonan, who turns out to be a fantastic coach. Getting his first crack at it last year. Getting them to the postseason. Huge turnaround. But other than that, you're looking at New England, NYCFC, and the Fire in the Eastern Conference. In the West, it's LAFC, San Jose, and that's it. Five teams. 
Only five teams in Major League Soccer remain unbeaten at home through this point in the season. If you're listening to this and you're getting frustrated with me with me saying that, so be it. But to not drop points at home, only five other teams can say that. And these points that they're racking up are going to prove fruitful should the fire make a push for the playoffs. I'm just telling you right now, this is how this league works. It's going to come down to one or two points. And you're going to look back upon potentially the Minnesota United game. You're going to look back, or not the Minnesota United game, the Red Bulls game, the Cincinnati game, the Philadelphia game, the Atlanta game. You're going to look back at those and be like, wow, I'm glad we picked up a point there because might have not snuck in at the eight seed. Might have not snuck in at the seven and been able to avoid the, the playing game. Now, obviously, you're going to, you can flip that on the other side. And if the fire were to miss out in the postseason, you can point to a lot of different games where they could have picked up points. But a point is a point, especially against the team that is going to be in the playoffs in Atlanta United. And I truly believe that. So without any further ado, obviously some lineup things that were going on. No Kai Kamara, Casper Shabilko gets the start. No Gaston Jimenez. So Fabian Herber starts next to Federico Navarro in the double pivot. Gutiérrez on the left, Shaq in the 10. And Mauricio Pineda once again is playing in the center back position. That's the Rafael Chihos as Carlos Teran, obviously nursing that injury. So. I think that Fede, he'll be the first to tell you that the, the opening foul and the opening yellow card is senseless, really senseless. And I didn't know how the game unfolded, just so all, all you know. Like, I watched the last 10 minutes on the drive back from Drive Pink Stadium to my hotel on Saturday night because obviously the fire were kicking off an hour later, um, us being in the Eastern time zone and you guys in Central. And I saw the Kutsia's goal, and that was it. And I was excited to sit down for this one, because, and, and we talked about how like it's difficult for me to sit down and watch when I know how it unfolded in a negative fashion, but this seemed to be a really positive result, given everything that happened. So I didn't know how Fede's uh, disciplinary stuff unfolded. I didn't know anything other than the Kutsia's goal, truly and sincerely. So... I see whoever it was, I think it was Araujo or or potentially Almada, skip away from Fede, and I see Fede bearing down on him, and I'm like, Lord, please do not grab him. Of course, he grabs him. Then I was like, okay, now I understand, and I, and I understand what's about to happen. He's probably going to go in for a challenge that is a borderline yellow card, and he's going to get a second booking at some point, and lo and behold, that's exactly it's what ends up happening. So... This was like almost shades of Johan Kapelhoff a little bit against Nashville in 2021, where player gets sent off, add insult to injury, and the goal is scored from the free kick. Now, obviously not directly from Tiago Almada, who is in range as soon as he walks into any stadium in Major League Soccer, puts it on frame, good save from Chris Brady, and Andrew Gutman left all by and lonesome, and the Hinsdale native just able to poke it home. So... 1-0. And the coolest part about this whole thing, for me, was that none of the principles that the fire have instilled, whether it be in the Ezra Hendrickson era or now under Frankie, none of the attacking principles, and obviously this is a Frank Klopas thing, going down a man at home, nothing changed. It was okay Something happened. We have to adjust a little bit. 
But for the most part, we're still going to play at this game like we're going after three points, even if we're down a goal and down a man, but we're at home. And knowing that you need to continue to pick up points at home, right? We talked about how few home games there are going to be down the stretch. I love seeing Miguel Navarro make gut-busting runs, leaving a lot of space in behind them, and trying to make something happen in the attacking third. I love Arnaud Suke doing the same thing. I love Brian Gutierrez and Shaq, reckless abandon, getting forward, rolling the dice. You know, part of this whole Apple TV commentator experience for me is that I get to see teams across the league on a weekly basis. And there are teams who just don't give a flying you-know-what if they leave space in behind. I'm thinking about Sporting Kansas City. I'm thinking about LAFC. I'm thinking about Inner Miami. There are teams that just don't care because they believe that that's the sort of football that you should be playing. Nashville, on the other hand, has some different philosophies. Now, they've gotten better under Gary Smith, and they've become a lot more attacking-minded as things have progressed and as they realized how good Hani Mukhtar is. But it was really fun for me to see and really interesting for me to see how Frank Klopas, I'm sure, just told the guys, we're doing our thing. It doesn't matter. Yes, we're going to have to tweak a couple of things here and there just so that there's not acres of space. But Miguel, go, no go. Guti and Shaq, continue to do your thing. Casper, try to stretch the field as much as possible. I loved it. And it paid off. You win a free kick, results in a corner, and Shaq somehow sneaks it in. It ends up being an old goal on Parata, but who cares? 1-1. Great. Get to halftime, dust your hands. Message from Frankie is the same. Let's go. We're at home. You already got them thinking the whole thing. So the Holly Selassie goal. I mean, again, it was Suke getting forward, Shaq and Guti with a really good understanding. And I think that they're truly starting to get on the same page. And Guti is becoming such a high IQ footballer that it is, is, it's not making much of a difference now, whether he's playing in a 10 or whether he's playing in the wing, because we know that Shaq is going to roam anyway. He's got that Carlos Hill, Lucas Zellerayan, Lucho Acosta green light to go find space as he sees fit. Cool. He's going to float out to the right wing. Guti's going to come fill the space in the middle. If he's going to start to drift up top, Casper maybe is going to drop a little bit, whatever it might be. So, Great layoff from Casper. And Marin just puts his foot through it. Just a phenomenal strike. And there were so many moments throughout this game where I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, it doesn't even look like they're down a man. If I'm Atlanta United and I'm coming out of that game, I am devastated. Players, coaching staff, the whole thing. If I'm a fan, I'm livid. Livid. The fire took the game to Atlanta when it, was, when it was 11 v. 10. Took the game to them. This is a moment where you need to tip your cap to Frankie Klopas and tip your cap to the guys because given everything that's happened this season already, a coaching change, squandering late lead at home after late lead at home, picking up minimal points at home, 
it would have been so unbelievably easy to put your head down and get battered 5 nothing and say, doesn't matter anyway. We weren't going to win it. Fede got sent off early and we got an open cup game midweek. Who cares? And the reason why I say that is because I saw an Inter-Miami team who's pretty dejected right now in a derby game with all sorts of injuries in the middle of the field. They still have their financial restrictions that they're dealing with. They were down one nothing. They tied the game up off a great Campana strike from distance. And then as soon as Orlando got the second goal, which only came in the 68th minute, Miami put their heads down, disinterested. Disinterested. So it happens. Your guys did not do that in a situation where almost you could argue was warranted. I bet you there would have been other coaches throughout the league that would have set up shop, tucked in 10 within 30 yards of Chris Brady and said, maybe we can try to get one on the counter. But Frankie said, F that, let's go after the game because our fans deserve that. We have to try to pick up points and we just have to put on a show right now. And what's the worst that could happen? You could lose the game that you were already down 1-0 when you were down a man. I love it. This might not be a win at home and it might not be a last minute winner at home. Like Tony and I used to talk about all the time on WGN, where like if you're looking for something to spark a, spark a run of form and a few wins, oh, any win on the road and a late game winner at home. This to me falls in the late game winner category. That felt like a win. After all the draws that have felt like losses, that draw felt like a win. You always knew you were going to give up the equalizer. It, you, it was just coming. Like, you're down, you're down a man. Yakamakis is a, is a proper, proper striker. Not just in this league, in any league. He is fun to watch, man. The dude just knows how to score goals. He's physical. He's smart. I like watching him. Got no problem saying that. So then the equalizer. The go-ahead goal. The second yellow on Araujo. And now it's go time, baby. Now, how can you find a way with more space on the field and at even strength after you've been taking it to Atlanta for most of the game when you were down a man? How can you find a way to get something out of this game? You needed Chris Brady to make some big saves. I mean, it was just on repeat. Almada free kick, Brady save. And it was just pressure mounting. That's all it was. The same thing that countless teams have come into Soldier Field and done to the fire. A good ball whipped in by Miguel Navarro. The second ball within about 30 seconds after it got recycled that he delivered from the left wing. Scramble in the penalty area. Marun was able to get a touch to it. And Kutsias in the right place at the right time. And... Boy, how much did that mean to that kid? I mean, shades of Frankie Klopas in terms of the passion, the celebration, the emotion. Not even shades. It's a 19-year-old kid coming over from Greece, not knowing what to expect, in a totally different culture, in a different team, in a different league, taking the biggest leap, not of his career, of his life, 
and he scores an 89th minute equalizer in a game in which the fire should have been done and dusted. And his first goal in the United States. MLS, I should say. It almost looked like he was about to cry. And rightfully so. I would. I almost cried when I scored a goal in Sunday League yesterday as I'm recording this on a Monday. It was a banger and it brought a, it, it should have brought a tear to some people's eyes, but nevertheless. This was a huge, huge moment. And all sorts of confidence and, and just good vibes heading into Wednesday against Austin. I, I truly believe that now. The flip side, and we'll see, we'll see exactly what happens, is what is this going to look like from a fitness and physical standpoint and how quick the turnaround needs to be. And the same goes for Austin, right? I mean, this is a group that has been struggling as of late. Lost to Dallas. But then they pick up a win on the road against Seattle and a win over Toronto. Now, Toronto has really been struggling. And if you believe everything that you read, which were just simply comments made by Federico Bernadeschi, there's some turmoil going on north of the border. Let me tell you, basically calling out Bob Bradley and the coaching staff saying, we need to make a change. We need an identity. We need to know how we're playing. So Austin, ninth place. It hasn't been a consistent season for them so far. And they've been playing a lot of games too and taxing games. Red card against Dallas, ended up losing one nothing at home. On the road against Seattle, that is never easy. And then at home against the Toronto team that, yes, has been really bad, but still pose a lot of problems and propose a, a lot of physical problems as well. Dealing with Insigne, dealing with Bernadeschi, whatever it might be. Now, this is the game that everybody's had their eye on. Since you beat St. Louis, round of 16. Now you're going to have to go on the road. And what better way to do that than with a point, with a point in the back of your pocket that you probably shouldn't have picked up three days ago? So with no Gaston Jimenez in the lineup, Chris Mueller ends up making a late appearance. Obviously, he's been day-to-day -day and, dealing, and dealing with an injury. So you hope that he's fit. Jairo Torres makes yet another appearance. You have to imagine, hopefully, that Kai Kamara is going to be healthy for this game. Roll the ball and see what happens. It's a cup game. Anything can happen. Now, Q2 is a tough place to go play. I have not had the pleasure of calling a game, that game there yet, but... When I talk to people about, you know, the pantheon of, of venues right now and atmospheres in, in Major League Soccer, for me, BMO Stadium is number one, and it's not close. 32-52 in the whole thing, I mean, it is sensational. But if you ask other people what their top three is, TQL's in there, maybe a little bit of Portland, and then Q2's right up there. So this is going to require a Herculean effort, I I'm telling you. The boys are going to have to be switched on for 90-plus, potentially more. I, I get the feeling that this is going to be a game that's going to be open. Frankie Klopas, don't mess around, and especially in the Open Cup. He's going to go after the game. 
and Austin typically like to go after the game and they're going to spread you and they're going to try to possess the ball and they want to go and there's going to be space on both sides of the field. Now, it could potentially look different because of the jam-packed schedule as of late because you played three games last week in, in league play and then you're coming up on another midweek fixture now, this time in the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. So there's a possibility that one or two of the coaches is go, are, are going to maybe pull the reins back a little bit, especially after the, what the fire have endured and a tough week for Austin. But if I was a betting man, which I certainly am not, I would put my money on this is going to be a fun one. It's just in Frankie's DNA. He was an attacking-minded player. He's a fun guy. Personalities bleed into how your teams look. He wants his guys to have fun, and he wants them to go after the game. Simple as that. So, with all that in mind, root, root for the home team, baby. Or, excuse me, for the, for the away team. This is what happens when I'm allowed to do a podcast on my own with Emmett not being here. Bad things. Bad, bad, bad things. Some other big news from around Major League Soccer this past weekend. Rivalry week, LAFC in the California Classico, 2-1 over San Jose after they played each other twice in about three weeks. St. Louis putting Sporting Kansas City to the sword in that little budding Midwest rivalry, 4-0. Minnesota big win over Portland, 1-0. That rivalry dates back all the way to like the 1970s. Vancouver over Seattle at home in the Cascadia Cup. Hell is real. What a game this was. How about Naperville's own Roman Celentano with a game-winning save in stoppage time, batting a header off the line. Cincinnati, 3-2 winners. Philadelphia drilling New England 3-0. They're starting to find their league groove again. Talked about Orlando and Miami, Orlando City 3-1 winners, and D.C. United just dismantling the LA Galaxy. Two MLS originals. Should have been a great game. Not so much. Dominated by Wayne Rooney's group. And then Greg Vanny was not, not too pleased in the press conference either. It's a lot of stuff going on in this league right now. It's fun. It is a lot of fun. So enjoy the game wherever you might be watching. Root for the visitors. Should be a good one. Can't wait to plop down on my couch and crack open a maybe a hazy pitch. Who knows? I haven't said hazy pitch on the podcast in a while. We'll find out. Fire, looking to book their ticket into the quarterfinals. Have a great rest of your week, everyone. We will talk to you on Thursday. Vamos, fire.